Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I shouldn't be moving forward. I shouldn't be running forward. And I haven't heard yet. But people do this. People are praying about relationships. They on date number five. How you on date number five and you don't even know if this is what God has for you? It shouldn't be date number one until God has given you clarity. Like, can I, can I go on a date? Is this even a person that I can consider? And there'd be people on date number five, but you'll be so wrapped up emotionally by the time God says, no, that's not what I have, you'll be disobedient. And you'll be like, well, Lord, can you, can't you save them? God wants to be intimately involved in all your decisions. That doesn't mean you need to pray over what color shirt you wear today. But when it comes to relationship choices and other areas of your life that reflect on Him and your relationship with Him, He should be a part of it. In fact, He should be central to the process. As Pastor Bill will challenge us in today's message, make a practice of seeking God and listening to His guidance as your first step when it's time to make a decision. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There were some men that, as they're being told on this date, you're to celebrate the Passover. They're saying, hey, how come we can't? We, we, we touched a dead body and we're ceremonially unclean, but we want to participate. And a couple things here. You know, one is you see that these guys hadn't prepared. If they had paid attention, they would have already known that the date was coming and they wouldn't have defiled themselves. The fact that they're defiled is a group of them. It probably was a funeral where they, they you know, actively carried someone. They touched a dead body. Um, they weren't prepared. They didn't keep in mind that this day was coming. And I would just point this out to us, that there are things that God has for us that if you don't keep it in mind, you're going to miss it, right? This guy didn't, pre- these guys didn't prepare. Now they're defiled at the wrong time. Now we're not able to do it. I believe that can happen with our devotional lives that we're like, you know what? I'm going to make sure today I get some quiet time with the Lord. But if you don't prepare, if you don't set, if you don't plan that time, if you don't say at this time right here, I'm shutting it down. I'm going in there. I'm, if you don't plan it, the day could just go and you didn't have no quiet time with the Lord because you didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. You just you just hope that at some point a window would open up that you could jump in and have it. But you got to prepare. You got to make it happen or else you'll be like this guy saying, man, I'm, I'm I can't do it now. I'm not prepared. I think sometimes in spiritual service, there are people that are gifted and called, but they're not prepared. Because they don't prepare themselves. They don't put forth the effort. Um, and so then when the opportunity comes or the day comes when that gift was needed, they're not prepared. But they haven't prepared themselves. And so these guys are not prepared. They're defiled. And I want to point out that they do the right thing, right? The heart is right. I want to participate in the Passover. I want to worship. Um, they do the right thing. They take their concern to Moses, who's uh, the mediator between them and God. And they say, Moses, how come we can't? You know, we still want to celebrate the Passover. You know, how come? And they're asking him what to do. And I want you to notice verse eight. It says that Moses said to them, stand still that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And that's why I call this section sex, this second section, verses six to 14, waiting. Moses tells them, stand still. And he says, um, stand still that I may go hear from the Lord. So They come, they want to know what's going on. They do the right thing. They ask and Moses says, stand still, wait, wait right there. Wait right there while I go seek the Lord and see what God says to do. 
And I want to point something out here. I see, I've seen this many times where people are praying about something, but they're still moving forward. They haven't heard yet, right? Moses didn't tell them, start, come on in and participate. Start making your way into the tabernacle. He says, wait, stand still. Don't do nothing. Don't do anything. You're not ready to go forward and do any. Stand still while I get word from the Lord. Now, how might this work for you and me? I believe it'll work like this. If I haven't heard from God about what to do, should I be moving forward anyway? I shouldn't. I shouldn't be moving forward. I shouldn't be running forward and I haven't heard yet. But people do this. People are praying about relationships. They on date number five. How you on date number five and you don't even know if this is what God has for you? It shouldn't be date number one until God has given you clarity. Like, can I can I go on a date? Is this even a person that I can consider? And there'd be people on date number five. But you'll be so wrapped up emotionally by the time God says, no, that's not what I have. You'll be disobedient. And you'll be like, well, Lord, can you, can't you save them? Can't you? They, they at least they went to church with me that one time. No, you know, I'm evangelizing them. I'm not I'm not dating them. Really, I'm I'm, I'm leading them to you, Lord. And you both be them fell away from the Lord. But people do that. A lot of times people will take their own desires and wants and start running forward with them and looking back saying, God, bless it. Bless what I'm doing. Instead of saying, you know, God's supposed to be out in front. You're supposed to say, God, I'm yours. And whatever you have for me, I want whatever you want me to do. I want to do. So I'm asking that you would show me. I'm asking you would make your will clear to me so I can obey you, Lord. That's the heart of the child of God. And so Moses tells him, stand still. And I, I love that he said it that way because don't nobody want to stand still. Don't nobody want to just, just stand still. Please don't, I mean, can I do something? Can I, can, I, can I start washing? Can I start? No, just stand still. Don't do nothing. And I believe that that's the proper posture for someone that haven't heard from the Lord and they're seeking God about something is that they would just stand still. Uh, be still. And I, I, I've heard this from the Lord personally before. As I was getting all anxious and feeling like, you know, I need to do something. And the Lord reminded me that I was behaving as though the burden was on me to do something. And God was like, the burden's not on you. You waiting to if, if, if I'm in a rush, I'll say it to you quickly. But if I don't say it to you quickly, you don't have to rush out and do something. You just you just wait. But nobody likes to wait. I don't like to wait either. Um, nobody enjoys it. I got kids. Anybody here will tell your kids, just wait. Oh, it's, I mean, you, you might as well crucify them, you know. Uh, they, they just wait, wait till I get home, you know. Um, my youngest, I tell him to wait for something. And he find, he's so clever at finding other ways to try to like, so I'm waiting, but I'm going to get mom's phone and text you and just remind you real quick, you know. Or I'm, I'm going to get on mom's phone and she finished talking. Can I say hi to dad? And he said, hi, dad. Um, just, and he would ask one more time. I said, boy, I said, wait till we get home. And he'd just find another way to throw it in there and, 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 and do whatever. So we can be like that sometimes. Just God said, just wait. And it's important that we learn as believers how to wait on the Lord. That if we haven't heard, don't move. Uh, because again, it's, it's God knows how to turn up the volume. God knows how to speak immediate things. God knows how to apprehend you right now. If that's what's necessary. Many times the thing that's needed for us is to learn how to wait because waiting takes trust. Right. If I got to wait and do nothing, there's a trust involved. That's me saying, God, I trust that you're in charge and I'm not going to worry that an opportunity is passing me by or that I'm going to miss out on some great thing because I'm trusting you and I'm waiting. You said, wait, I'm going to wait. You haven't spoken. I'm not going to move. 
I'll just wait here until you say something. And I just think that's there's wisdom in that for us. So Moses says, stand still that I may hear what the Lord would command. And so I would ask us tonight to consider are there any areas of your life where God has told you to stand still, to wait, and you're all up in front of him. You already ran out forward. Um, also, I would ask us this. Are, are we even, these guys at least went to the right place with their question. Are you taking your questions? Are you taking your challenge? Are you taking your issues to the Lord? Are you taking them elsewhere? Are you talking to your friends that don't know God very well? Are you talking to your, you know, your, you know, I find this as a pastor. A lot of times people will come to you and when they don't hear what they want to hear from you, even though you gave it to them from the Bible, they'll be fine and they'll go find somebody else to ask until they finally get to hear what they want to hear. And so met with someone, talked to someone this week in the ministry and they were, you know, there was marital challenges or whatever. And there was good, solid counsel. Hang in there. Wait on the Lord. Be patient. Die to yourself. And then there was some carnal counsel. God wants you to be happy. And if you're not happy there, then God wants your happiness. And so you should just move into a place where you can be happy. That's the Lord. They, and they went with that counsel. And, and now the ramifications, you know, don't be that person. Right. Don't be the person that's like, you know, let me find my carnal friend that go to church, but don't really know God's word that well and ask them what they think I should do in my predicament because you're going to get bad counsel. If the counsel doesn't sound like, you know what, I, you know, counsel should never sound like this. You know what I would do if I was you. That's bad. That's, that's the beginning of bad counsel right there because because I'm not the standard. So if my counsel begins with, well, if I was you, what I would do is. That's not what you asked for. You said like you, you're asking like as a as a believer, what would God have me do? Biblical counsel should sound like this. Over in Philippians four six, it says this. Therefore, that's what you should do. You go back home and look that up later when you forget that I told you. Write it down. It'll be there next. It'll be there next week. It'll be consistent counsel. It's biblical counsel. It doesn't change. It doesn't go away, and it's always correct because it's out the mouth of God. So, if you seek counsel from people, be careful. That you're not looking for that weak counselor. That you're not looking for that person to tell you what you really want to do anyway. And you just need the right Christian to tell you to do it. When I worked at the other church, the Calvary Downey, I worked at, I would do a counseling appointment with a couple or a person. And then I would be there, say on Monday, I met with them. And I gave them biblical counsel, wrote down the scriptures, gave them the paper when they left, prayed with them, all done. Then I would see them in the office again that same week on Wednesday. And I would see there meet with another pastor. So I would, I would go out and call and say, hey, you meet, what are you meeting with them about? Oh, they, 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 they have some questions about this. I said, well, pull the card because there's a card that's in between the pastors. And I'm like, they were just here Monday about the same issue. So what you will find is what that person is doing is I, I'm, I need a better count. I need, I need some other counsel. That counsel right there, I, said, I, don't, I don't want it. I said, so, you know, the other pastor can pull the, the card and see the verses that they were already given and reiterate the same thing to them. But it was it was comical when you worked there and you would see it happening like, oh, you didn't like that counsel. You don't want to do it. huh? Ah, you're here again. And that's what they would be doing. So anyway, don't be that person. Uh, we want to know what God God's heart is. And so we want to make sure we're going to the Lord and God has put in our lives people that maybe are beyond you in their knowledge of the word. And so that's a good thing. There may be people that you say, you know what? I, I really know this person loves. They love the Lord. They know the word. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to share my heart with them and see what they can give me from the word to help me out. So good counsel will end with verses. Uh, it should, it should, there should be verses and references that come out of 
good biblical counsel. So moving on, so they come to Moses. He tells them to stand still. We'll see what the Lord says or what the Lord will command. Verse nine. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying, if any one of you, if any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. So you got two things here. You got one person that maybe have defiled themselves. You got another person that may have been away on work. And so in either case, God says they can still participate. They can still celebrate the Passover. Here's the provision for them. Verse 11, on the 14th day of the second month at twilight, they may keep it. So if you notice, the initial group is on the 14th day of this month at twilight. Now, this people is on the 14th day of the second month. So a couple weeks later, they're going to get to participate at twilight. They may keep it. They shall eat the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones, according to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. And those are elements of the Passover uh, offering. The They got bitter herbs. They had all these different things that were a part of them remembering what had taken place. They weren't to break the, they weren't to break the bones. That was, that was symbolic of what was going to be with Jesus, that not a bone was going to be broken. When a guy came to break his leg bones to help him to go ahead and die quickly, they found he was already dead and they pierced his side. Remember that? Because it was prophesied that his bones wouldn't be broken. And so they're not to break the bones here. All these things are, are pictures of what was going to come in Jesus Christ. Verse 12, they shall leave none of it until morning. Yeah, nor break the bones according to all the ordinances of the Passover. They shall keep it. So I just want to make sure to point out that God made a provision. You guys can participate. Um, you guys, but there's going to be a period of time between defilement and your being able to participate. You were defiled or you were away on a journey. There's going to be this time gap, a couple weeks here, then you can come and participate. That was how it was for them. Now, for you and I, as again, I'm likening the Passover meal, the Passover celebration that they had to our, our communion. We're told with regard to communion to examine ourselves. And there's some similarities because maybe you come, if you got unrepentant sin in your life, should you take communion? And that can no. Um, now, for some people, they think that means, well, I know I sinned this week, so I'm just going to pass on communion. That's not it either. That's not the goal either, right? The goal is that you would examine yourself. God can show you all the mess that's wrong. Now, for you and I, it's different. We don't have to wait two weeks to get right with the Lord. We don't need a ceremonial, a ceremonial cleansing and a special offering to get right with God. For you and I, God has made a provision that we can confess and repent. We can confess our sin to God. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. First John 1 John 1.9 says we can bring we can we can we can take a moment even before communion and just prepare our hearts. God, let me just confess everything I know that I've done. Let me confess everything that's not right. Uh, confession is a powerful thing. It's uh, in the, the Greek. It's homologia. And it's logia is a speak and homo is, you know, the same, the same, same thing. So homologia is it's to speak the same thing. I'm confessing. I'm telling God, God, what I did is what you said I did. If you lie. You call it what it is. God, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that I lied and it's wrong for me to lie. I'm speaking the same thing you speak. I'm confessing. I'm acknowledging. I do believe confession should be specific. I don't think confession can sound like this. God, I just confess that I've been messing up really bad and you know all what I've been doing. So just forgive me for all the sins that I did all that. I think that's that's not how it works. Confession is specific. God, forgive me for lying to my mother. My mother. Forgive me for 
stealing that thing at work. Forgive me for my attitude, you know, with my spouse. Forgive me for what I did to my kids. God, forgive me. You know the junk that you got. And when you confess to the Lord, it's not out loud for all of us to hear. But when you confess to the Lord, you want to keep it real. He knows already anyway. And you want to confess it. It's powerful when you have to tell God that I did this. And I did it right in your face, too. And I'm agreeing that it's wrong and I'm, I'm confessing it that you can forgive me and cleanse me. I want I want to be right with you. It's kind of like this, right? If I stole something from you, you know I stole it and I know I stole it. And I come to you and say, hey, I'm sorry for the mix up we had last week. You know, hope you can forgive me. You're not going to receive that apology. You're going to say, no, nah, you need me to come and say, look, I'm sorry I reached my hand in your purse and I stole you, whatever. I'm sorry I was wrong. I, I don't know what got into me. I did that. It was wrong and I'm acknowledging it. That's a little more receivable when someone comes, they come clean. I did this to you. You know I did it. I know I did it. I'm acknowledging it. I'm apologizing. You'll be a little more ready to forgive that, right? You know why? Because you've been made in the image of God. So don't come to God. With your, you know, God, I just, you know, I just had, you know, I just, I was having a real bad week and, you know, I just did some stuff and some things. Be specific. You'll be amazed when you come with that kind of confession, how it plays in your mind next time you think about doing the same thing. You're not going to want to keep coming to God saying, man, I, got, I don't want to say that again. I don't want to ever have to say that again. It, it helped you out. It helped in the purifying process in our lives that we confess. And so, again, they had a, a, a time limit of days that they had to wait before they could come, but they were still going to be able to celebrate Passover. For you and I, uh, when, with regard to celebrating communion, we are told in 1 Corinthians 11 to um, 28 that we examine ourselves. Uh, we're told in verse 29 that if we take it in an unworthy manner, that we're eating judgment, we're eating damnation to ourselves. And so what, how do you take communion in an unworthy manner? This is what I believe. I believe that it's a person that's with unrepentant sin taking communion. You should, if you're not going to repent, if it's not your desire to get right and you're sitting in a time of communion and you don't want to get right with God, you don't want to confess your sins, you want to leave and do it some more, you shouldn't take it. You're probably not saved. The other person that shouldn't take communion is someone that's not saved. How come? Think about this. If I take the bread that's symbolic of his body that was broken for believers, that we can be saved. And I take, I receive the symbol of his body and I receive the symbol of his blood while still rejecting him in reality. God says, you're eating and drinking damnation to yourself. I'm partaking, I'm, I'm making it as clear as possible that I understand that your body was broken for me and your blood was shed for me and I'm, I'm, I'm consuming the elements into my body, but I'm still rejecting you in my heart. That's, you don't want to take communion like that either. But I don't want to scare off believers Every single one of y'all has sinned this week. Everybody. I'm part of everybody. And so it's not to say like, well, we can't take it because, yeah, I know, man, I, you know, Tuesday, that, that thing you did in the car when you drove by that person and you, you, you gave them that hand sign and you did all that stuff. It's, 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 you can confess and repent tonight now and then go ahead and celebrate and partake of the communion. So um, just want to point that out to us. Moving on now, verse Verse um, 13. Now there's a but and this is another group of people. So we had those that wanted to take it, but because, they, they, you know, they had they were un, they were defiled and they got instruction. Um, we got those that were on a journey who are away and couldn't do it. They get to come back and do it in two weeks. Then in verse 13, it says, but the man who is clean and is not on the journey and ceases to keep the Passover, that same person shall be cut off from among his people. Because he did not bring the offering of the Lord at its appointed time 
that man shall bear his sin. So God says, now, if there's no reason for you to not participate, you're not defiled, that they're going to die. Their sin is going to be with them and they're going to die. You're cut off. You can't be here no more. You can't be part. Of, you're not a part of this group anymore. You are cut off. I've seen this where there are people who become aware of what God wants and decide, decidedly choose that I know that's what God wants me to do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not. How can that person say Jesus is Lord? How can the person that says, God, I know you want me to do this, but no. How can that person say, you're the Lord of my life, though? You're, you're my Lord and my Savior. They, they, they can say it, but it's not true, right? Jesus said that. Um, he says, you, you call me Lord, Lord, but your heart's far from me. Your, your mouth, lip service, call me Lord. Those words, especially in church circles, those words become so empty and so cheap. Because we hear him so much and people throw out the word Lord and, you know, master and savior. And it, it doesn't really mean anything to them. He's not the Lord of their life. They do what they want to do. They the Lord of their life. But they call him the Lord because that's his, that's 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 something we know that he's supposed to be. Um, make sure that we're not just in name only nominally knowing Jesus is Lord, that he really is the Lord of our life, that he really can tell me what to do. He really can redirect my steps. He really can tell me, Bill, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. And I'm going to submit. He really can tell me to do something I'm scared to do, but I'm going to do it because he said do it. Um, that we, we, we be in a, a relationship with Jesus where he is the Lord of our life. And so here, these are people that are saying, I'm not going to do it. God said, then they're going to be cut off. They're going to be cut off from among the people. Why? Because I can't have everybody following suit. So we're going to see that it costs something to tell the Lord no. And that's in every generation. Every group of people that tells the Lord no loses in the end. Those that don't receive the Lord, those that reject them, those that say, no, I won't, they lose out. They miss out. They aren't part of the family of God. They miss out on all the benefits and blessings of knowing the Lord because they chose to say, I don't want that. No. Make sure that that's not you. Make sure that that's not, what, that's not how you've responded to the Lord. We want to respond favorably to the Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Master. Yes, what you want me to do, I will do. It's difficult. I'm scared. I'm struggling. But yes, Lord. And where we find that we're off, we want to get back on track. So verse 14, it says, and if a stranger dwells among you and would keep the Lord's Passover, he must do so according to the right of the Passover. And according to its ceremony, you shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and the native of the land. And so now this is the last person. You had the person that was defiled and couldn't participate. You had the people over here that wouldn't participate. Um, and now you have someone here that they're a stranger, but they're in the land. Uh, however they got there, they're a stranger. God said they can participate too, but they got to do it according to my word. They can come in too. And so I, I like that. You know, what if we're doing communion and there's a stranger, an outsider? They can partake too once they believe, once they receive the Lord. God is in this. God wants the strangers. He doesn't say get the strangers out. He didn't they shoo them away. Just they, they, as long as they follow suit, as long as they fall in line with what I'm, what I'm telling you to do, they can participate too. And so God is always into the stranger. We got to be careful about that as people that live in a very rough, loveless type of society that we can become. And I, the, you know, I, I know that the Bible says because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold, right? There can be kind of a heart that we have towards Strangers and outsiders, untrusting, you know, determining that person's bad, that person's up to this. And sometimes it's true. 
But we have to be careful how we deal, we deal with strangers and people. We're told in Hebrews to entertain strangers. Says why? Because some people have unknowingly entertained angels when they did that. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.